It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 463 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, February 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also find the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. And on there, you're going to find team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, which is going crazy right now with the downloads. We've got Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts from across the network chipping in there. Weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick. And you can find all those together once again on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Uh, it's been a nice week for the for the network, so thanks to everyone who's become a new listener or supported during the trade deadline madness. And uh, if you have fi- found a show that you want to support and make sure that they are getting the recognition they deserve, please subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you use. All right, on today's show, uh, it's Marcus Gasol talk, baby. The Raptors beat the New York Knicks 104-99 on Saturday night in Marcus Gasol's debut. He played 19 minutes off the bench, 7 points, 6 boards, couple steals, and assists. Probably should have had about 7 assists, but we'll get all into that and so much more from this game with our guest, our pal, James Herbert. How's it going, buddy? Thank you for having me. Uh, the timing of the Raptors coming to New York right after getting Mark Gasol like, could not have been better for me. So I felt lucky to be in that building. Yeah, you certainly lucked out there. Um, and we're lucky to have you there covering it too because you wrote a great piece today for CBS Sports uh, talking about Gasol and how the Raptors were kind of not really acclimatized to the kind of passing he, he brings. Uh, a little bit of sort of, I guess... People just not being ready for the kind of passes he's going to throw. Fred Van Vliet did some great quotes in your piece, as did Danny Green. If you want to pause the podcast, go read the piece and come back. I will allow you to do that. Um, So I guess what was your, like, while you were watching this game, was that kind of the angle you were going in after the game thinking of? Like, yeah, this, this seems like none of these guys are even ready for this kind of thing. It was definitely something I wanted to ask them about. I didn't know what they were going to say. Uh, but it was certainly as I was watching the game, like I was kind of like obviously more focused on Gasol than really anything else that was happening in the game. And I just found myself taking notes and writing down like, oh, great pass and a missed shot. Great pass and a missed layup. Like he was creating like high quality looks, like exactly the kind of looks that, that you're hoping a kind of like high post passing center uh, would create for your team and, and getting like wide open threes and layups and the Raptors were just missing them. And uh, I know missing open threes has been like a, a big storyline around the Raptors in general, but I think there is something to the effect of like, these are different kind of passes than they're used to just mm-hmm. because really aside from like when they had like a 39 year old Hakeem Olajuwon, like in this, <laughs> the entire history of the franchise, not even just this Masai Ujiri era, the Raptors have not had a, like a great passing center. They just haven't employed one. And Marcus saw like uh, Honestly, aside from Jokic is the best at that particular skill at his position in the NBA, 
And I think he just really, really energizes the offense. And you can sort of see it. Like, the, the one, like, main takeaway I had was, like, uh, at a certain point after he had checked out of the game, and then I watched the play without him for a few minutes, I was just thinking, like, I, I kind of hate watching this team when he's not out there. Like, they had so <laughs> much more energy. They were cutting so much, like, harder and with a purpose. The ball was moving. Everything just looked better when Gasol was on the court. I know it was only one game and it was, like, less than 19 minutes. Uh, but I think you could you could see it even if the numbers were whatever, like seven points and one assist. Like if you just looked at the box score and like, oh, they barely beat the Knicks and Gasol didn't have great numbers, you you might have thought this wasn't a very impressive debut. But I thought Gasol looked great. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, this was a weird game to try to evaluate. I, I, like you, found myself drifting even when Gasol wasn't playing, just like watching him on the sideline talking to Sergio Scariolo and like, oh, what are they? What is he learning there? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, there's basketball happening? Oh, cool. Uh, I don't really care about that. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of transfixed on him the entire game. And I agree. It just looked crisper when he was out there. Norm Powell, I mean, he had nine three-point attempts in this game. I would imagine like eight or, eight of those were like wide open and like the result rhythm, of Gasol. Like, yeah. Totally open. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of. And it did seem almost like they were like unsure of themselves because like, what, why am I this open all of a sudden? Why is this ball coming to be in this perfect shooting pocket? What the hell is going on? Um, so maybe it'll take some time to adjust to that new world, I suppose. But this was such a weird game to try to get a handle on because the Raptors didn't pull away or anything and the Knicks are dog crap and uh, I wasn't really worried the Raptors were going to lose this game at any point because the Knicks are such dog crap and it just felt like anytime the Knicks made a run the Raptors were going to bounce right back and, and just sort of put them away but um, I, I feel like some Raptors fans were like oh man continuation of like the poor play and all this stuff but I thought the, like the process of this game was reasonably good. I mean, you had Gasol kind of setting up the bench in a way that no one has set up the bench before. And I think there's maybe been some sort of, for the people who are maybe not so into the trade, who kind of think the Gasol-Jonas thing is not really an upgrade, it's more of sort of a lateral move just with different skills kind of moved around. Um, you know, I, I, I could see where the criticisms of the deal would come in here, right? I think a person who, whose opinion I value highly, very highly from Raptors HQ is Jacob Mack, and he's been talking about how, like, yeah, Gasol does all this great stuff, and it looks amazing, and it's fun to watch, but, like, sometimes you just need a bucket, and Jonas was a guy who, for the bench, you could just throw the ball to, and he could go get you a bucket more reliably than any big man in the league, pretty much. So I, I could see why maybe those fears would creep in in this game, but I thought the process of it all, like Gasol using his sort of his screening and his elbow sort of wizardry to get looks oh for the God, team. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's eventually going to translate into something more, right? Yeah, and I, I think I think he is a huge upgrade over Valanciunas, though. Like, the, the screening is one of those areas. Like, Jonas is a big dude that can set a hard screen, but Gasol, like, the way that he operates on the court, the way that his brain works, he is, like, he is always looking to set a screen and help somebody out he is always like kind of calculating what is happening on the court and reading the defense and, and figuring out um where somebody could possibly be open and he's just he's just so smart in a way that um 
Raptors bigs historically have not been that mm-hmm. I think it is it really does change the the look of the team offensively. I think overall the game like th- there were like you're talking about the process of the game. I think there's like a, a bunch of positives you can take away. I think Lowry his aggressiveness looking for his shot, the fact that the shots were going in. This has been a a recent trend, not just that game, but I think the fact that he took some really deep ones that that was cool to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a great Kawhi Leonard game, no. but I think. If you just watch the way that the Raptors guards played with Gasol, uh, whether it's Van Vliet or Lowry, I think like that those pick and roll combinations are going to be extremely good. And um, I think Gasol is the type of player that can get you a bucket. It's just he doesn't have the same mindset as Valanciunas does necessarily when doing that. Like mm-hmm. he can bully you, he can do his like turnaround jumper, uh, but I think he approaches it a different way. He's trying to leverage the attention that he attracts to create a good shot for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think there's a higher chance you're going to get an open three off of a Marcus all post-up than you are if a Jonas Valanciunas post-up. I think there's a higher chance you're going to have him hitting a, a cutting Siakam or a cutting OG Ananobi or somebody uh, for a dunk or a layup. It, it just it might not be as many of those like he like backs a guy down and, and hits a hook or, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but, I, but I think that's okay. I, I would still rather have the ball in Gasol's hands and this is not like like crapping all over Valanciunas I think like Marc Gasol is like a a three-time all-star like Mm -hmm. he even though he's 34 now like he never did it with like just brute force he was never this like super athletic vertical spacing guy you know like he's a fat guy he's a fat guy at heart like it's he's He's still got that that sort of <laughs> I think I have to do this while being fat kind of mindset, and it it, it, it works for me. <laughs> like it's it, it yeah. works for Jokic too. Like yeah. this is this is the thing, and so yeah, I mean, I, I it was almost like I was watching two games. Like a, when Gasol was on the court, I thought they were pretty engaged. They they had uh, a lot of energy, and when he wasn't, it was kind of like, eh. Like I, I don't think the Raptors. Like particularly, were like excited about this game. I don't think they were, they thought it was going to be very difficult to beat the Knicks. I think they were more interested when Gasol was out there because that was something new. And mm-hmm. and the Knicks, like, I mean, I have hated watching the Knicks for most of the season, but you, like the way that they started that game, the energy that they were playing with, like what Dennis Smith was doing in transition, he threw that like off the glass lob to DeAndre Jordan, who was just going nuts in the first quarter. Yeah, like, some LeBron they started the game. Some yeah, LeBron Kyrie the PTSD re- there. Really caring about it. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Uh, a troublesome. I don't think we've seen a, a play like that against the Raptors since that playoff series against the Cavs. So that that definitely right. punched it in the gut. <laughs> and you know, one other thing that one other thing that I noticed in the game that I I wanted to put in my story but that it just like kind of didn't make much sense because i based the whole story on offense but Mm -hmm. like i think one of the most encouraging gasol things that we saw was there was a moment in the third quarter i believe Mm -hmm. where deandre jordan tried as hard as he possibly could to post up gasol and he like went at him like banged him kind of like three times Mm -hmm. like looking for a shot and then tried to go up and score and gasol just like put his two hands up and just like <laughs> just blocked it so easily and it went right out of bounds but it was just like it was like DeAndre is just trying to move a wall mm-hmm. and like you just you can't move a guy like that he is so strong and he's such a good defender and like he basically blocked the shot the shot like barely jumping like that's the kind of defender that he is and that's the toughness that he brings that's the physicality that he brings it, like 
do you want him switching on to small point guards? No. But I think the idea that he is not still a really good defender, like I, I don't agree with that. I think he's still a great defender. It's just things are the league has changed a little bit from when he won Defensive Player of the Year. But that doesn't mean that he's not still really effective. And that that moment really stood out to me when he just like stonewalled DeAndre. Yeah, that was awesome. And if you're looking for like grander meaning from that, if you're looking ahead to a potential playoff series with say Philadelphia. Having a guy, and like Jonas was always kind of good against Embiid, so maybe it's not as much of an upgrade in that regard as maybe uh, it seems. But yeah, like Gasol against Embiid is going to be not maybe a win for the Raptors, but you're not going to get cooked by that. And that, like every little marginal upgrade you can have, every little, you know, Joel Embiid post up you can turn into a turnover, like that's going to potentially affect the outcome of a series. So that's going to be huge. There was also the yeah. possession. Uh, I think also in the third quarter, he had this little sequence where, like, I was just giggling. It was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. This is new. This is delightful. Where I think it was Kevin Knox maybe trying to go baseline, and Gasol, like, pot, like poked the ball out of his hand and then, like, left out of bounds to save it, and it went the other way. Like, yeah. that was just, like, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And also the thing maybe most jarring to me was watching him just, like, bark out defensive coverages in a way I've oh, never nice. seen a yeah. Raptors center do. Like, he was just, like, enunciating in a way you've never seen on TV before. And I'm sure, like, it just resonated through the crowd when he's doing that. Like, he's just so loud and forceful. And you could see, like, the sort of kinetic energy of the defense picked up. It just it seemed like it was like a, like an orchestra he was conducting. And that's an element that Jonas, unfortunately, never brought. And that is also, I think, another thing guys are going to have to get used to, right, is having someone being that forceful and that sort of knowledgeable of what's happening at every corner of the court defensively that I think as they kind of grow into it, that's just going to end up really benefiting the second unit as well. Um, is there... I guess the big question going forward is how Gasol's minutes sort of escalate here. He played 19 minutes off the bench, and I would prefer to see more, obviously, because, you know, he's really good and probably deserves to play closer to 30. I expected coming in, like, I think I threw out the numbers, like, Siakam will play, like, 30 minutes, and then Ibaka and Gasol somewhere between, like, 26 and 30, the three-man big rotation. Not quite that uh, distribution in this one. Ibaka played 29, Siakam 33, Gasol 19. I feel like those will become more even as we go along here. Uh, Nick Nurse talked this morning at shoot-around, but for the Nets game, about sort of how the rotation's going to look, and he said he's still got to, like, figure it out. There's 25 games left, so that feels like it's kind of a, a time crunch to figure it out, but... Um, you know, what do you envision? What do you, what would you hope to see from, from Nick Nurse as far as like distributing minutes between these three guys goes? Like, who would you like to see start? Who would you like to see come off the bench? Like, do, could you see a world in which they start all three and have Kawhi play the two? Like he mentioned that today. Uh, what would you hope to see from the front court rotation going forward? I won't rule anything out. If, if Nick mentioned that today, Kawhi is like the largest two guard ever. Like, sure, why not? Let's let's get super weird. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he actually started that lineup. Um, what I, what I, I look, I, I would like to see Marcus all in the starting lineup tonight, mm-hmm. and I'd like to see him start every game, unless there's some crazy matchup where they like, or against a team that's going super duper small. They're like, all right, we're gonna bring him off the bench. This makes more sense. Like, I, I just think he's one of their best players, mm-hmm. and he. The the collective IQ you have on the court when you have him playing with Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, like that's just that's crazy to me. Like mm-hmm. they're this has historically been this team where you talk about oh they they you know they they haven't like won at a high level. They don't have enough experience. They don't necessarily have like the highest basketball IQ. Like now you have like Mr. Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard and like Defensive Player of the Year as well, and then Defensive Player of the Year. 
Mark Gasol. Like, I just, I want to see him play with the best players. Like, that, that is what I personally would like to see. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen tonight. Uh, I don't know if that means he's going to average, like, 30-plus minutes or whether it's sort of a committee thing and they're, they're really going to be mindful of not getting Ibaka out of rhythm because he's obviously been feeling really good about this season and not, not making him upset. Like, th- those things are difficult. Uh, but I think if you've read what Nick Nurse has said, if you've talked to him throughout the season, like, uh, that whole, like, elephant in the room thing that, that he's been so big on is, like, let's just get this out in the open. Like, they, they have three really good bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them realistically should be playing small forward. Like, maybe you can get away with Siakam playing small forward for, like, a little bit, but, like, I wouldn't really want to do that. No. Um, so somebody's going to have to sacrifice. Maybe they all do a little bit. I think it would be kind of weird to cut Pascal Siakam's minutes. I think it would be crazy to take him out of the starting lineup. Uh, but maybe for a game or two, they experiment. They see what what is this too big look do for us. I, I certainly think if you're in a playoff series against Boston and they're playing Horford and Baines together, there's nothing wrong with playing Ibaka and Gasol together, mm-hmm. or at least trying that. But that's not my favorite look. I want to see Gasol play with, with Siakam and Leonard and Green and Lowry. Like that, that, that's what I want to see. Uh, we'll see how it gets there. We'll see how the minutes actually shake out. I think Nick's general idea over the course of the season was like, he doesn't care that much about having a first and second unit. He wants everybody to be able to play together because that's how a playoff series works. You make adjustments, yeah. and it, of course you want the other team to adjust to you rather than you than being able to dictate who plays. You don't just entirely want to be reacting to the other team's matchup, but like you want to do what works, and you want everybody to sort of be able to guard everybody, and you want everybody to sort of be able to play with everybody, and I think... Having smarter players, having versatile players, and Gasol isn't like normally thought of as a versatile player because he's a seven foot one kind of slow center. But I think certainly on the offensive end, he's extremely versatile. He can be effective from anywhere on the court. Mm-hmm. So I, I think all of that is good um, for their playoff rotation and is good for raising their ceiling. Um, and that that's kind of where I stand on it. Is like I would bring Ibaka off the bench almost every game, maybe every game, and. That might be tough for him, and maybe you have to play some weird games with the rotation to try to maximize his minutes next to Kyle Lowry because he's just so much more effective next to Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Uh, maybe you have to do some weird substitution patterns the way Philadelphia does with those like constant stream of substitutions every few minutes. I don't know, uh, but but I certainly think that Marcus Gasol is deserving of still being a starter. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I agree. I think Gasol should be starting at center next to Siakam because I think a that front court works really well together. I mean, I, like we haven't, we didn't really see yeah. them play together much. I think there was maybe a stretch in the fourth quarter where they did, but like in theory, Siakam cutting off a Gasol at the elbow, like that seems like it would yield pretty nice results a lot of the time. And, yes, uh, absolutely. It does feel like maybe Gasol, his passing and the way that he sort of livened up the second unit could apply to the first unit as well because like think about what the main criticism of the starters has been 
been this year. It's been Kawhi kind of, you know, doing his own little thing in his own little tunnel, Siakam kind of going for his own little forays, and then, like, sort of the Abaka lowry green trifecta kind of working in concert together, but none of it really coming together. Maybe Gasol is what you need is that connective tissue to bring it all into one cohesive unit, and, like, if there's a player that you could say, like, yeah, that guy is capable of bringing together a lineup, like, he feels like one of the prime candidates, so... I would like to see it. I think we will see it. I would be... I think we'll see him start tonight, actually. I think Nurse... You know, there's not a lot of time left, right? There's 25 games here. I think you kind of have to see everything as much as possible. And I wonder... We saw some, like, pretty extended runs of the starters together against the Knicks and then sort of extended bench units instead of, like, you know, maybe every six or seven minutes kind of swapping things out. I think the starters played almost the entire first quarter. So I wonder if maybe that was him getting a prolonged look before sort of going in a different way in the next game and kind of having a prolonged look to sort of change things up there, too. Yeah, and that prolonged look didn't go that well. Certainly um, did not. The starters so, have been bad for a little while, too. That's another reason here. The starters have not been good for, for like, two months. So, like, Ibaka coming out of the starting five kind of makes sense to me. Um, it's just, it, it's maybe it's a bit of a sell job, but, like, Ibaka, or Nurse has already done the sell job once to Ibaka and Jonas, and, yes, Ibaka was the beneficiary of more starts with that uh, platoon setup, but... Like, he came into the season pretty much, I think, prepared to play the bench. Like, uh, Nurse was talking about having six starters all summer long. I, I don't, mm-hmm. and yes, he's had a great season, but I think you could probably sell him on it. And it won't be that big a deal, especially since him and Gasol have some history and stuff. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to really read into what all these guys are thinking. But if it's for the benefit of the team and everyone is still being put into positions to succeed, like if you, like you said, like if Ibaka and Lowry play together with a second unit sometimes, I think Ibaka will be fine with that because he's getting his bread buttered by Kyle the way he has all season long. Um, I, I, you, I'm glad you brought up the Sixers because. This is kind of a thing I think we should see with the Raptors is like they're starting five if Gasol is in there. Like all of those guys are good and all of those guys are positive contributors to winning and having one of them on the court is always like a pretty good thing plus minus wise. Why do they have to have like a second unit of four or five guys? Like th- this doesn't really register to me. Because I think this trade that they they made, it kind of consolidates the rotation a little bit, kind of says, yeah, maybe the depth thing didn't work out so well for us and we're trying to beef up our top heaviness. Like, why is there a world in which, like, two of Siakam, Lowry, Leonard, or Gasol should not be on the court at all times? Yeah, I mean, you can you can easily construct a rotation where yeah. two of those guys are on the court at all times. I mean, I especially in the playoffs when all those guys' minutes are going to go up, right? Like, you, you don't need to do, have these token minutes where it's like five bench guys out there. Um, I know that that was a bigger storyline last season when you had this five-man bench. You know, there's just destroying everybody, but yeah. I, I don't think that's really a thing right now. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I expect Nurse to, to be the creative guy that he's been since he got to Toronto, right? Like, I, I think he'll play around with this. I don't know that he's going to go full Sixers with, like, all right, we hit, like, the nine-minute mark. Somebody's coming out of the game. Like, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not saying that's going to happen every night, you know? But I I think, yeah, they have a lot of players that would that would that that are good enough to start on other teams uh, and guys that have started for this team in the past that are now going to – be coming off the bench if we're assuming that that's going to be what happens to Serge Ibaka. Then you have OG and Anobi. Um, I I think there's there's lots of options here, and it doesn't have to be a super traditional thing. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's encouraging about Nurse and the way that he looks at this stuff and the way that he manages guys' personality. Like this is a, this is a question that I asked him when I was in Toronto like a month ago. Like I asked him because Danny Green had told me for a, 
uh, the previous story I did that he sometimes like feels for Nick because he thinks he has the hardest job of any coach in the league because of all their talent and all their depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, they gave up some depth here in uh, trading three players for one, but they also got more talented at the top, which creates a, a different issue. And I think the the way Nick kind of answered that question when I asked him is he was just like, look, like after every game, there's like there's usually some players that aren't going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But like whether it's about the game that night, whether it's about something else, like everybody has their own stuff on their mind. And usually what you do is you like let everybody sleep on it. If there's still an issue the next day, then you get it out in the open and you talk about it and mm-hmm. you, you figure it out. And I, I think as long as everybody's heart is in the right place, like I don't see a reason why this couldn't work. I'm not so naive that I don't see the potential um, sort of dissatisfaction that can come with people's minutes being cut but I, I also think that these are adults here this is a team that has high expectations that has high upside that has like a realistic legitimate shot of getting to the finals and everybody knows that so there's not really an excuse for this causing real problems like mm-hmm. I, I think when you add a player that is this smart that is this unselfish that is this good like it should not screw up a team's chemistry. Like, I, I don't think that's going to be the outcome here. Yeah, and it's also, like, a lot of dudes who have kind of been there, right? Like, Kawhi and Danny Green have won titles. Yeah. So you got Ibaka, who's been to a finals and conference finals, and Gasol has been to conference finals. Like, it's a lot of guys who have kind of been around the block. And even Kyle has a lot of history, too. And Kyle, just I feel like, is the guy who might honestly benefit the most from all this because I feel like Gasol mm-hmm. is just going to make his job a lot easier and... Uh, maybe open him up to be more of an offensive go-to guy as opposed to someone who has to create everything for everybody. But uh, yeah, I I know a lot of the criticism of the trade was like the chemistry thing, right? It's like, oh, there's only 25 games left. How are you going to get this all to work? And it's like, I don't know. They they were kind of starting from ground zero chemistry-wise anyway because it was not like they were like this cohesive unit going into the deadline where, you know, you take one piece out and it all falls to shit. Like everyone was kind of disjointed to begin with. So yes, it's a compressed timeline, but... Like you said, everyone's smart. Everyone has kind of, like, there's a lot of high IQ guys on this team, and there's a lot of experience. I feel like it will come together in some way. And, yeah, I do feel bad for Nick Nurse, man. Like, yes, it's like the first world of all first world problems. Like, oh, no, I have too many good players. My arms are overflowing with all of these talented players in his first season coaching. But, like, there's a lot on his plate this year, man. He's got the Kawhi thing to manage. He's got the, like, he's had injuries all season long. Now he's got this deal. And, like, it's a lot to sort of piece together. And I do feel bad for him in a way. I I think, you know, if you have your gripes about how he's coached the team so far this season, I know where I I get it. Like, the late-game stuff has not been amazing. And, you know, there's been some strange stuff where he's stuck with things that don't work too long. But I, I think for the most part, like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this. And I do think, ultimately, the talent on this team will kind of supersede the coaching anyway. Because that kind of happens, typically, with very, very good teams. And... Like, I don't know, how would you rank this team's, like, top seven compared to the rest of the East? Because that's the conversation that's going on now. We can wrap on this if you want, but, um, like, it's like, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, the Raptors are the favorites to get out of the East, or the Raptors are the fourth best team in the East now, Kyle Lowry's quit, like, all this shit. Like, I don't know, how do you sort of judge it all and sort of stack this team up with the rest of the East? I think the rest of the East is crazy. That's like in a normal (laughs) season, like I would look at this Raptors. Like I think this is the best Raptors team, most talented ever, and it's not particularly close. Uh, So 
uh, I would normally look at this roster and say, yeah, this team's going to the finals. And if they went to the finals, that would not surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, this is a different kind of year. Like, have you watched the Sixers the past couple of games? Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that starting five is nuts. Um, they have other issues regarding their bench. And I think there's certain, like, like matchup stuff. Like, or is Kyle Lowry in a series just going to be able to walk into, like, off the dribble threes because Embiid is, is in the paint just, like, against the Bucks, Is he going to be able to step into open threes because Brooke Lopez is in the paint? There's, like, there's stuff like that. Um, but then maybe the Raptors are going to be kind of like that too because now they have Marcus playing. Uh, and then the Celtics, it's like they – that Marcus Morris press conference might be like the most consequential press conference of the season because <laughs> that could either force everyone to like actually talk out their issues and start like figuring out what kind of team they could try to be, or it could just make them like totally crumble and dissolve into this like fractured mess. And like I have no idea what's going to happen. So uh, I'm in this weird position where like you you asked me to rank them, and I don't think I want to. Yeah, that's uh, fair. What, what I will say <laughs> is that the the Bucks statistically profile as like the favorite by far based on their net rating and the fact they just got better mm-hmm. with Miritich. The Sixers are probably like the most like fascinating team because they just are completely different than they were at the beginning of the season and quite different from what they were a week ago. And then the Raptors to like the Raptors and Celtics, if if I knew nothing about these teams and just looked at the rosters I would look at the Raptors and probably say, I'd say they're the favorite and the Celtics are number two. Like, mm-hmm. that, that, this is so weird, right? There's just, there's so much context here. It depends who plays who, right? Because yeah. th- there's going to be teams that do better in different matchups. And I think it'd be kind of disrespectful of, like, Milwaukee's, like, statistical profile to just look past them and say, I think the Raptors are going to the final. But I, I also think it would be crazy for me to look at this Raptors team that has suddenly has Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Gasol, and Kyle Lowry on it, plus a bunch of versatile two-way players, still a fairly deep team, and be like, oh yeah, they're a second round out, or they're a conference finals out. Like I, like, I, I think, especially in light of what happened last week, like, let's just see what happens in the next, like, couple of months. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I, like, genuinely don't know who the favorite is, and I don't trust anyone who says they know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know either, man. Like, I, like Milwaukee's statistical case, like you said, is very compelling. But I, I mean, the Raptors last year were similarly dominant and ended up not yep. having the juice. And so, like, I'm, I'm like skeptical of that. Uh, I also wonder, like, I think the drop off from first to second best player is probably the highest when it comes to Milwaukee, and I think that can have some bearing in a playoff series. Uh, yet Milwaukee is terrifying and they play so well. I, I don't know how Bud factors in as like a playoff coach. I know he's had his issues in the past. Like it's all very confusing. And yeah, I, I like the way the Raptors the are set up. Have the least, they have the least, like the fewest problems to solve. That's true. Yeah, they, I think that's a good like point. They, yeah. The Bucks are going to be the Bucks. Yeah. And maybe in the playoffs, uh, against playoff scouting, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe the this, this spacing isn't quite the same and it's a little tougher and then suddenly they have to figure out how to adjust where they haven't had to do much of that all season that backfires or maybe they're just that good and there's no answer for Giannis surrounded by shooters just like there hasn't been an answer for LeBron surrounded by shooters yeah. and the Bucks like skate through to the finals like I, I'm not I like I just can't write them off like I just yeah. I, I I hesitate to call them the favorites and that pisses off Bucks fans because <laughs> like 
the Buck like Bucks fans rightfully I mean I don't know rightfully but like they think the team deserves more coverage they think the team deserves more respect they think that people overlook them because they're in Milwaukee and like I get it but I just I don't know man like this this Toronto team is like super interesting to me and and I I think maybe if if you're saying all of these teams are going to be like the best versions of themselves reach all of their upside like that that like the Raptors at their best like to me could be better than any of these other teams at their best what we're saying is Indiana's going to go to the finals uh. <laughs> I wish Vic was still healthy man yeah. like I I feel guilty every time I have this conversation and just completely dismiss them but like and it's not like they've played that badly. Like five in a row. Still, they're a smart team. Yeah, like they're a smart team. They're an unselfish team. They're a tough, fast defensive team. They're pretty versatile. Like they're not going to be an easy out, even without Oladipo. I just think they're going to be an out. Like mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I can't see them beating all these teams. The, the tricky thing is if they manage to hold on to a top four seed, then that screws up the whole second round like that the thing that, that we don't yeah. get the matchups that we want so the, the rest of the regular season is really interesting to me uh with what, what indiana does honestly i'm kind of hoping they hold on to the three just so we get that four five philly boston series where one team is going to be i guess losing in the second round for those teams would be a disaster but losing in the first round for one of those teams just like the tears the tears would be yeah. so delicious from what from whichever city that is from uh, that loses in that series that I think I might be rooting for that as much as it might screw up the second round bracket and like put the nets in the second round maybe <laughs> but uh, yeah although I, yeah, I, I guess you'd like that a yeah second round series from home that would yeah. be fun for me if like a nets raptors round. round 2 nets raptors great history of uh, compelling playoff series so here's uh, that's that's I want James Herbert covering the Nets Raptors second round series. That that's an official uh, decree from the Locked On Raptors podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll book my Porter flights now. <laughs> uh, James, if that happens, I'm sure we'll talk again. I'm sure we'll talk again at some point anyway. But I want to thank you for coming to the podcast today. Do you have anything you'd like to plug right now aside from your Marcus All article that everyone should read? No, just read that. Uh, <laughs> some other stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm working on a couple other things, but yeah, the, the Marcus Gasol thing, I had some other trade deadline coverage. I actually, I've written about this trade in like a few different pieces that have gone up over the last few days, but, uh, but yeah, the, this, this story that I reported from the Raptors next game is like probably the one that I point people to right now. Yeah. All right. Check that out. Uh, follow James at outside the NBA. You can follow me at Woodley Sean, subscribe, rate and review to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts is deeply appreciated. If you leave a little rating or review, it helps us immensely with algorithms and visibility and stroking of the ego and all that stuff. So thank you so much. And we will talk to you on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, welcome back to Locked on Raptors, episode 463. The first ever addendum we've added on to the end of a podcast. James and I finished recording about four seconds before the Raptors... Uh, announced, or I guess it's not announced by the Raptors, but it was reported that the Raptors are going to be signing Jeremy Lin, who was bought out by the Atlanta Hawks against, I think, what most people were expecting. James, what is your reaction to this Jeremy Lin news? Well, I mean, didn't you just say you felt bad for Nick Nurse because the team still had, like, <laughs> decisions to make regarding, like, minutes and playing time? Like, Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, shit, they got deeper again. Like, this is just... Uh, I mean, for a buyout guy, like, he is still 
uh, a very effective role player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a better spot up shooter than he used to be. He's still primarily a pick and roll guy. Uh, I happened to see what I mean. That was actually in Toronto. He had one of his best games of the year this year. I, I, I was in town for that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's stuck in Messiah's mind. I don't know. Look, <laughs> all the the main reaction that I've gotten in the past like five minutes is just hearing from like felt like my media friends in Toronto who are just like, oh my god, there's going to be so many people coming to these games just for Lynn stuff. Oh, that's and right. I, I guess that shouldn't be the main takeaway for fans. Uh, <laughs> for, I mean, look, it's another, like, they they had some sort of idea when they cleared all those roster spots that they were going to go get somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this strengthens them. It just gives them more options. It gives them another pick-and-roll guy. It gives them a guy that can get in the paint and get to the basket. And in... I remember hearing him talk earlier this year in New York about how he thinks he's like actually a better and smarter player and a more well-rounded player than he was during Linsanity uh, because he has, has to, he has had to adjust mm-hmm. uh, to being on teams where he didn't just have the ball all the time, where he couldn't things weren't just going to revolve around him, and that's been challenging for him. But I think he's turned himself into a good role player. He's still best with the ball in his hands, but that doesn't mean he can't help a team like this. Yeah, I think this is a very good pickup for a couple reasons. One, it kind of fills in the DeLon Wright spot for the third point guard. It's been a long time, so it's nice that they have the element, and they like to play two point guards. And this, I think, in theory, should make it a little easier to massage the rotation a little bit to get a good pick-and-roll point guard playing with Serge Ibaka if he is going to come off the bench, whether it's Lynn or Kyle Lowry in sort of weird sub-pattern stuff. And also, like, this team lacks creation off the bounce on the second unit. And DeLon being sent out definitely hurt that as well. And this has been a thing all season long where they they just haven't had a lot of juice creatively on the second unit. And Lynn should help provide some of that. So uh, I think this is very good. Yeah, this is going to make the rotation that much more difficult. And now maybe you're looking at, like, a... 10-man rotation you got to figure out but even then like I, I don't know lynn is i'm probably gonna get attacked by jeremy lynn twitter this is gonna be the biggest thing that i think raptors fans have to adjust to huh is jeremy lynn twitter um I, i'm sure there will be jeremy lynn is better than kyle lowry takes out there by next week but um like oh man like would you expect he will be like a, a fixture in a playoff rotation i'm not sure yeah i think it depends on the matchup i, I wouldn't guarantee that but I, I would imagine I would be surprised if they went like the whole first round and like we just didn't see him. Yeah. Like I think he'll get minutes. I just don't know that they'll be like guaranteed, consistent, absolutely every night minutes. But mm-hmm. I, I I also wouldn't say that like I would be shocked. Like I I'd be much more shocked if he didn't play than if he played ten minutes a game. If that makes sense. Like that's yeah. That that's totally normal to me. And I think the the one thing that I can say about. Jeremy Lin over the past few years while he has sort of slipped from like the forefront of NBA consciousness because he's been kind of reserve a reserve he's had a couple of serious injuries that like ruined his day with the Nets but one thing he did in Brooklyn one thing he did the entire time he was in Charlotte is like he knows how to play with other guards Mm -hmm. like and he spent time playing even this year with like on the court with Trey Young like you can play him with Fred Van Lee you can play him with Kyle Lowry that's not like uh, an uncomfortable situation for him and you know that Nick Nurse has uh, been totally fine playing two guards together the entire time that he's been the coach of this team and that was great with Dwayne Casey as well uh, so I, I think it won't strictly be this is the third point guard he is out there in like blowouts or if somebody's hurt like he's gonna play with those other guards like he absolutely will 
Yeah, uh, I think that covers it pretty well. Glad we got your perspective on it, too, because you covered him, of course, when he was with Brooklyn. So uh, thanks for being a hero and hopping on this little uh, attachment to the podcast, Jishiated. Uh, Not a problem. I won't ask you I to plug him things as much again. as I hoped to, because he was mostly hurt. Yeah, the, the one, uh, in, the in one the game, game that in he played, out. He actually looked quite good in Brooklyn. Yeah, the one game in out last year really, really sucked. That was a heartbreaking injury. So uh, that was very sad. Glad to see he's kind of got himself back into a position where a contender like the Raptors are like, yeah, let's give him a shot. So uh, this is nice, good news for the Raptors, and uh, nice for Jeremy Lin that he gets to go to a contender as well. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, James, and uh, we will talk to you. I swear we're not going to have another addendum to this i don't think unless something crazy happens but uh the enos Cantor signing uh, news will have to wait till tuesday <laughs> thanks so much for listening talk to you next time on locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today